Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Let's open the word of the Lord to Psalms chapter 92. We're going to read from verses 1, 2, and 4. Today I want to talk uh, briefly, before we dismiss you, about uh, the theme, it is good to give thanks. So say to your neighbor, it is good to give thanks. See, but we can't just say it is good to give thanks and not understand why. Because it's good to do stuff, but why is it good to do stuff? It's good to exercise. And we all say, yeah, you're right, it's good to exercise. But if you would research as to why, I mean, it lengthens your life. It gives you a greater quality of life. Um, when you stretch, you don't break your bones. You don't uh, hurt your muscles. Uh, you have more energy. You feel younger. See, there are reasons why we do things that we do. And <clears throat> unfortunately, many times, since we don't understand the repercussions or the rewards, we'll do things that have repercussions and then later on wonder why we're not doing well. Well, today I just wanted to briefly share with you the importance of why we need to give thanks or be in a position, a mental, emotional posture, and not just that, but have a revelation of why it's important to give thanks. Amen? Amen. So let's read Psalms chapter 92, read verses 1, 2, and 4. It is good to give thanks to you, O Lord, and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning. And notice it says in the morning. In other words, first thing we do is we should remember his loving kindness. The word loving kindness is a kindness that extends far beyond uh, just uh, maybe you want to uh, be cordial to somebody. It's a loving kindness. It's a type of kindness that you would impart or share with your family, with your children, with your grandchildren, somebody that's very dear to you. That's what God gives us every morning. That's what God gives us every day. It's a loving kindness that's, that's exclusively for people that are very special, very important. And guess what? We are very special and very important to God. Amen. So if we understand that, we'll be more thankful as to what He imparts to us each and every day. Because He's doing it out of such a tender spirit. He's doing it out of such a pure love. The type of love I'm talking about is agape. Hallelujah. There are different types of love. Yes. There's the brotherly love. In the Greek, it's the phileo love. But how many of you know that some brothers don't talk to each other? So even the phileo love or the family love or familial type of love is limited. What about uh, eros? Eros is the type of love that, you know, you, you, you see us guys, we see a, a beautiful woman, we go, hey, what, what a hot mama, you know, that type of love. But that's limited. It's limited only to what I see. And today it could be and tomorrow might not be any longer. Amen. So it's limited. Amen. But agape is a type of love that gives even when the person doesn't realize it's being given to them. Agape is the type of love that gives even when you don't really deserve it. See, God issued that type of love when we were in a mess. He loved us when we were in a mess. He loved us when we were cursing at Him. He loved us when we didn't care about His benefits, His blessings. Hallelujah. So that's what I'm talking about when I say, sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning. Every morning I will wake up. And before I have a chance to listen to that knucklehead in the job that's always complaining about everything, I want to rehearse the love of God, and I want to come to the train station already with a good attitude. Because I need a good attitude when I get into the train. And I need a good attitude when I come to the job, because I got too many people with bad attitudes. 
Amen. You ever heard that? You know, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, girl? You guys from the 70s, one bad apple. Anyway, but I digress. But it's an institute. One good apple. If one bad apple can, what can one good apple do? So I'm going to determine in the morning, I'm going to get my attitude right. I'm going to get my mindset right. And I'm going to become the good apple. And I'm going to go in the midst of bad apples. And little by little, I'm going to leaven the bad apples. Little by little, I'm going to expose some goodness to them, some mercy to them, some, some joy to them. And they're going to go, why are you always joyful? Hey, God is love. I woke up this morning and I realized he's been good to me. And you always talk about that nonsense. But when they have a problem, guess who they're going to ask to pray for them? Hallelujah. And it goes on to say, and I will declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your work. See, God has worked for us. He doesn't work for us in terms of employee. He has worked a great work in the cross. So there's a labor that has gone on that you nor I understand the magnitude of the level of work that it took to get redemption to be released to us as a gift. So when you catch that as a revelation, you say, oh my God, you're faithful. You know what a person that is faithful is? That's a person you can count on. That's a person that's stable, consistent, that you know when you call them, they will be there. God will always be there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. So I will recount his faithfulness before I go to bed. So every day I remember his loving kindness. And every night I will remember his faithfulness. And then it says, I will triumph in the works of your hands. Amen. So God causes us to triumph. I might be going through a problem now. I might be going through a process. But ultimately, I will triumph because him and I are the majority. Amen. Praise God. My mother, my father might leave me, my, my uncle, my sister, my brother might leave me, but God will never leave me. He'll pick me up, and He'll bless me, and He will lead me to triumph. Amen? So say to your neighbor, I am blessed, and I'm highly favored, and I'm loved by Almighty God. He is faithful. He's with you, and He's with me every day of your life, every day of my life. Amen. Come on, give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you and we thank you for your word. I pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you open up the eyes of our understanding. That we might be able to see what you're saying to us. That we might be able to hear it with our internal listening device, my God. With our heart, with the deep recesses of our heart. That we might hear it and that it might become personal revelation to us. Father, we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. More than ever before, it's essential that you and I flow in this revelation because the nation is divided. Uh, actually, the world is divided. Yes, it is. All you need to do is look at the news and you can see the hate, the rhetoric, the division that we are living in. We are in the midst of a hot boiling cauldron yes, of anger, Amen. of unforgiveness, of resentment, of racism, of cultural and ethnic hate we look at the other side of the world and we are in de facto war we are in war and this thing could get a lot worse before it gets better but i thank god he's given us the tools of worship of praise of prayer 
So all of us need to be praying in this season that God would give our leaders wisdom and understanding beyond their natural abilities because it can't be solved in the natural. See, a lot of people celebrated the elections. A lot of people hated the elections. But the truth of the matter is we put too much confidence in the elections. The bottom line is it doesn't make a difference who is president. How in the world do you pay back $146 trillion? We are in the midst of the one, one of the most historic deflationary periods, which probably we followed up by inflation, because how do you pay that back? Even if every millionaire pays all of their money and every United States citizen pays all of their money into the pot to pay into this thing, it would take 30 to 60 years. We're just talking about a little spit in the can, a little nickel or dime in the bucket when we're talking about having this millionaire or that person. The truth of the matter is, as a nation, we have a lot of trouble. Because of our excesses in the past, we are now dealing with what we normally deal with when we fill up our credit card, except it's a national credit card. And so people are divided as to how we're going to go about doing this. And my heart grieves because the ones that will suffer, you, I mean, you can see it in Greece, you can see it in Portugal, you can see it in, uh, where else? Uh, Germany right now is having to deal with this very thing. In, actually, the euro has been going down little by little. I've been observing it. It went down from $1.56. For every euro, we used to have to pay $1.56. Right now, it's down to $1.20, $1.19, $1.21. It's gone down amazingly. And soon it will come to parity. In other words, the practices of Portugal and Greece and Italy and, and those nations have led them to a place where their currency is going down and down and down, right? But we're doing the same thing. So what happens is the longer this goes and the more money we owe, the less our dollar will you know, be valued. So you have to pay more for milk, for gas, for electricity. So we need wisdom. The problem is the Republicans and the Democrats can't get together because they're divided. And in the church, we're also divided because we're also arguing and fighting. Well, you know, you're on this side, you're on that side. Who cares what side? We need to pray. We need wisdom. We need wisdom on a national level. We need wisdom on a citywide, statewide level. And we, as churches, need wisdom. Because what do you think happened? Or rather, what do you think would have happened if Joseph wouldn't have showed up? That nation and the nations around it were about ready to get hit by an incredible seven-year famine, and they didn't know about it. So what does God do? God sends prophetic words, prophetic people to let them know, uh, hello, things are about to happen. And meanwhile, everybody's buying and selling and doing their own thing, and, and, and had no idea. I think right now there's still many in our cities that have no clue. They think, oh, yeah, no problem, man. You know, this is going to be forever and ever. No. Right now in Greece, a lot of people literally are losing their pensions just like that. They're in their 60s and suddenly no more pension. Suddenly no more anything. No more Social Security. No more welfare. Se acabó. No hay. Finish. It's just no more in the pot. So what happens? A lot of the people that have been trusting in the government or trusting in someone else suddenly going, whoa, whoa, hold on. That's not right. Uh, excuse me, you can't take that away. There's no more money. You see? So 
Little by little, that's happening here. Just the other day, how many of you here like Twinkies? It's okay, you can admit it. Twinkies, they're very tasty. They'll last forever, you know. You'll put it 20 years. It, 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 they, whatever they put in that, that stuff will last forever. It's outlasting the company. But here's what happened. The unions were fighting with the company. No, we want more money. He said, we don't have any more money. We want more money. We don't have. Well, we're not going to go back to work. You don't understand. If you don't come back to work, we have to shut down. Well, we want more money. The company just finished shutting down. Now, where is their money going to come from? See, at a certain point, you have to, you know, it's like my car, my credit card. After $5,000, I can't put any more. I can't go to the store. I don't care if it's over limit. Put it on. I don't care. You're not being fair. The truth of the matter is, we have limited supplies, limited resources. They've been misspent. Now we need the wisdom of God. The problem is that the grace of God will not flow unless there's unity. And there's no unity unless there's gratitude. Let me explain why. If I don't appreciate my brother, if I talk down to him, if I, ah, this guy, look at that hairdo. Look at the way he dresses, man. <laughs> if I don't appreciate him, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, arbitrarily. I'm, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, sometimes we do that. Yet this man is a gold mine of wisdom, of love, of encouragement. If you get to know him, him and his wife, they're a ministry, a power ministry couple, right? But if I denigrate him or if I don't appreciate who he is, I can't get the extract of what he has for me and for all of us. And this is what's happening as a nation. We're an awesome nation, but we're fighting and bickering with each other so the unity can't come forth, and that means the power of the resources, of the wisdom of God cannot flow. So something happened. There's a bottleneck in this nation, and it's a bottleneck that's unfortunately very powerful. It's called bitterness. Bitterness is something that will kill your future and your destiny. We're bitter at each other. We're angry at each other. And you know something? We don't even know why. And I'll tell you why. Behind all these actions of hate, everything, there's a bad devil that's flowing with that, those seeds of hate and everything. We don't even know why we don't like each other. I don't like, I hate you. Why? I don't know. I just don't like them. I don't like the way they look. Meanwhile, when that happens, it shuts down the reservoir of the power of God, of the wisdom of God. The Bible makes it very clear in Luke 11, 7, I'm sorry, Luke 11, 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided cannot stand. We're in danger right now as a nation. A divided house will affect every backyard. I don't care what happens. I just mind my business, just as long as it doesn't happen to me. It will. It will go from Wall Street to Main Street. It'll affect us all. So this season, that's why we need to be thankful more than ever before. Because thankfulness will open up the rivers of revelation to you and around you. And we need the flow of the reservoir of the love of God, the grace of God, the, the wisdom of God, and, and that understanding of the power that I have to be thankful for my nation. I have to be thankful for my government. I have to be thankful for my church. I have to be thankful for my job. Right. I might not get a raise next year. I'm just thankful I have a job. That's right. That's right. That's right. Paul said, I'm content whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. Yeah. We have to learn to be thankful and stop being so critical all the time. Stop being so angry about everything. Have you noticed everybody's angry lately? That's right. That's right. Anybody here? 
my job, people, for any little thing, they're, they're offended. The new word is not acceptable, not acceptable. Well, I, I, sometimes I tell them, well, whether it's acceptable or, n- or not acceptable, it is what it is. <laughs> In English, means you have to eat that. It's just the way it is now. We don't have it or you have to wait two weeks. The part didn't arrive yet, whatever it may be. But we're too angry. We have to let that go. So, so look at your neighbor and tell him, chill out. Chill out. <laughs> we have to chill out. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Yeah, sometimes I tell my people, chill out, calm down. You're so angry at stuff. You don't have to be. Who told you you have to be that angry every day? Some people can't smile no more. They've been so miserable all the time. They try to smile. They go, it's just locked in. <laughs> you just massage your face for an hour. It'll come back. It'll come back. Everybody, give your neighbor a smile. Real nice smile. A genuine one. Come on, come on. Give me a smile. Now, everybody, give each other a frown. Give each other a frown. Give a, a frown. Are you aware? <laughs> Are you aware that to give a frown, <clears throat> you have to use over 100 muscles? And to give a smile, all you have to use is about 14 muscles. It's easier to smile. And a smile is contagious. When you're smiling, people look at you. They're looking around. What is I guarantee you that if a guy or a man or woman is laughing, I'm talking about those gut-wrenching laughters. I mean, they just walk, 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 walk. Just walk, walk, walk. You know, that type of laughter. You ever, you ever been in a situation like that? You can't stop laughing? Yeah. yeah. I guarantee you, you're sitting next to a person like that, and they're just laughing, and they're laughing. You're going. <laughs> you don't even know why you're laughing. It's contagious. It's true. It's true. First Timothy chapter 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. When we become content with what we have, it's a gain. It adds to your life. It adds to the length of life. It adds to the quality of life. How many of you know some of the things we need to get well are not medicines? Some of the things we need, sometimes just herbs, a good cup of tea, some antioxidants, sleep, rest. Somebody said rest. Absolutely. And being joyful and being content. See, because when you're after stuff, you're always frustrated because you, you're never satisfied. It's, it's a horrible wheel that keeps on, it keeps you like, you know, like the, the, the gerbil in a wheel. Yes. That's what it is when you're never satisfied. We need to learn to just be content with what we have. And if God blesses us with more, amen, praise God, more to share, more to bless others with. He says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we could carry nothing out. The pharaohs found that out after they died, by the way. They put gold in there, they put food in there, and hundreds of years and thousands of years later, people broke into those uh, mausoleums, right? And they found the body there, the tomb, and they, they found the gold there and the food there. And all. It doesn't pass on. And it says, it says here, having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. And you know, that, that was a revelation to me at a different level about two weeks ago, about three weeks ago. Because the building where I live on 38th Street, um, suddenly the light turned off. The electricity turned off. The water turned off. The heat turned off. And it's a 30-story building. And I'm the captain of that building. I manage that property. 
So I had to go up and down and up and down and up and down for a whole week. Wow. Now, I don't know about you. It started the first week. I mean, first day. Second day. Third day. Fourth day. <laughs> By the end of the week, if anybody touched me, leave me alone. I was, I was nasty, nasty. And I have a greater appreciation. Then looking at the Rockaways now, looking at certain parts of Staten Island, where our brothers and sisters and our fellow citizens are suffering, having lost everything, everything, their homes, their furniture, their pictures, the things that were precious to them, the Jersey Shore. I have a greater appreciation of what this is, having food and clothing. With that, I will be content. Everything else is a plus. Everything else is gravy. If I have a car, wow, that's a privilege. You go ahead and walk from Manhattan to the Bronx one day, and you'll see how important it is, how much of a blessing that is. Well, I don't have a car. Well, what about the train? The train is a blessing. The trains didn't work. I don't like the train. Well, take a bus. The buses weren't working because they couldn't pass the bridges. Some of my people couldn't get to work. Suddenly, we appreciate that these things were always the most important things. Hallelujah. But look what happens with people who are not content. It says, having food and clothing, all these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and in a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, doesn't say money, money's necessary, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness or greediness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can hurricanes do to me? Take away my home? God will give me another home. Take away my car? Doesn't make a difference. I'll take a train next time. But you're not going to rob my joy. You're not going to steal my joy. Tell your neighbor, you're not robbing my joy. <laughs> See, I might temporarily lose something, but not my joy. My joy is one of the most important things I have because my joy is a revelation of the fact that I know he's with me and I'm grateful. So you're not going to steal my attitude of gratitude and joy and peace. Hallelujah. Bitterness is a very dangerous thing. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. See, bitterness will corrupt you. Bitterness will take away from you your joy. It will zap you from your destiny, from your purpose. It will make you look at people the wrong way, situations the wrong way. Whenever the word of the Lord comes to you, you ah, they're always saying that. That church is always talking about the word. I don't see it helping me. Why? Because you're bitter. You're in a bad posture. You can't receive anything when you're divided, when you're bitter. Someone once said bitterness was the poison that you swallow, but you hope the other person dies. Bitterness happens when you focus on the flaws of others instead of focusing on the goodness of God. We've got to get back to focusing on the goodness of God. Yeah, but that guy. Yeah, but what about you? We all have flaws. We're all messed up one way or another. We all have glitches. Point to your neighbor and say, you got glitched too? 
Yo que le eché. I didn't say itchy, I said glitchy. Yeah, we all have our issues. We have our good days and our bad days. See, but I don't trust you to deliver me, to save me. I love you and I love fellowshipping with you, but my trust is in Him. So if you fail me, I'll just forgive you, but my trust is still in Him. See, some people, they trust too much in Him and her, and when they fail, then they get angry at God. But you, you, you need to, you're off a sink here. You need to get back to trusting God and loving people. Hallelujah. Mike Murdoch one time spoke about bitterness, and he shared these brief points, and I'll just, just run them through. Number one, bitterness can grieve your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You don't want to do that. Because the Bible says that He is the vine, we are branches. And the vine is where all the life flows into the branches, and then the branches bear fruit. But if you cut the branch off, you don't have any more life. See, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's the one that reveals the secrets to us. He's the one that releases the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. He's the one that releases revelation to us. So if we're disconnected from the Holy Spirit, we've got nothing. I need the Holy Spirit. Every day I thank the Holy Spirit for His presence. Every day I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. I need the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, you need the Holy Spirit. We need a deep, abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit. See, bitterness can cut or grieve your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You don't want that. Bitterness can hinder or limit your journey and progress in your purpose. You could be moving in God, moving in your future, moving toward being VP in your company. Suddenly you get bitter, you, you, you lose it all. Bitterness will stop your forward momentum. And your children need your forward momentum, your grandchildren, your church, your community, your city. There's a legacy that you're called to leave. But you can't leave it if you're bitter. Bitterness can destroy your relationships with others and even push others away from you. How many of you know, and I think you've experienced that, you ever talk to a bitter person? Does that attract you? It's very unattractive, very unappealing. When a person's always bitter, how you doing? Good morning, what's good about it? Sometimes you avoid people on purpose because they're always so bitter. And you know they don't see it. They're always complaining about others. Yeah, that person, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's you. You don't feel like doing it. Good morning. Take a mirror. That's what I want to do. Bitterness births unthankfulness as well as negative attitudes and a negative mindset. I don't want a negative mindset. There's a lot of trouble to deal with on a daily basis. I need to be up and ready. I need to be walking with God. I need to be in a joyful spirit when the nasties come at me. Yeah, there's some nasties at work. There's some nasties on the train. Anybody here ever take a train? You know exactly what I am talking about. Bitterness divides. Bitterness is contagious. If I'm nasty, what happened? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen it all in the train. I've seen it all. All. <laughs> Amazing. It's a different world. <laughs> yeah. What did you say? Even on the bus, they're miserable. And the boy said, I said, good morning, dad. Let's talk good about it. I said, you're alive. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. And probably she went, eh, one of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness will make you, another thing about bitterness you need to know, bitterness will make you vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Something happens about bitterness. It's almost like you lose all your spiritual antioxidants. 
And now you're susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. And then you receive it. It's a terrible thing. Bitterness sometimes manifests itself in a constant desire to retaliate. So if you're in a constant desire to retaliate, check yourself. It might be bitterness. Bitterness can be um, constant sarcasm. Me, uh, envy or jealousy. You know, one of your friends prospers. Hey, a friend prospers. Hey, big, big deal. Big deal. <laughs> I, have, I have a lady that she can't say deal. She, she's Spanish. She's just deal. Big deal. Big deal. <laughs> it's deal. <laughs> and all you see is the worst in other people. If you, all you see is the worst in other people, you might be in bitterness. You don't even know it. So how do you remove it? Well, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any presence of bitterness in your heart. We need to all do that. And I believe we should do that every day. The Holy Spirit, reveal to me any bad mindset, anything that could be affecting my future and destiny. I, I, need, that to get rid, I, I need to get that out of my heart. I don't have time to be entertaining these things. Number two, recognize the presence of bitterness inside of you. Be honest and open. Recognize that bitterness will rob you of your joy, your relationships, and your destiny. Stop fellowshipping with others who are bitter and refuse to share your bitterness with anybody if you're bitter. Bring it to God. To God, I'm in a bitter place. Help me. Heal me. Don't share it because it's like a cancer. It'll, you, know. you know, one of the worst things that parents do without realizing, and we found this out in, in deliverance school, that if I'm angry at my wife and I speak about that all the time to my children, I'm giving my bitterness to my children. And without realizing, my children might be angry or bitter at mom, and they don't even know why. It's because I successfully transplanted my bitterness onto my children. I could do that with my friend. I could say, you know, that person, nasty, miserable, but I'm the one really that's nasty, miserable. I'm just mirroring what's inside my heart. But that person doesn't even know, and they receive my bitterness they don't even know. That person's the sweetest person in the world. So when, when that person meets the other one, they'll go, hi, how are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go. What's the matter with him? Well, somebody successfully transplanted their bitterness in that other person. Let us not or ever do that. Amen. So what do we do? Instead of passing it on, meditate daily on the goodness of God. Like one of the verses that I shared with you earlier. And the power and the need for forgiveness. I need to live in forgiveness. Say to your neighbor, we need forgiveness. See, the Bible says that people who refuse to forgive are similar to that person who, how can I put it? Scripture says that person that was sent to prison and could not go out until they paid the last bit that they owed. Mm -hmm. They were sent because they owed, let's say, a million dollars. You're going to stay in there until you pay your money. But they can't pay it because they can't work. That's right. So it's a cycle. So when we fail to forgive, God said, if you don't forgive people your trespasses, I cannot forgive you your trespasses. So you get caught in a loop. Well, I can't forgive. Well, you know, understand, your forgiveness is released to the degree you go before God and say, God, forgive me, and now allow me to take that forgiveness also and pass it on to others. Amen. Now, well, let's be straight and let's be fair here. An abuser, for example... You might forgive that person, but you can't ever trust them until they fix their life up. Understand that. But I can, release him, I can release myself from that person so I could be free to move on into other relationships. Amen. Amen. And sometimes people can have relationships with others in the future because they're still angry at so-and-so who harmed them in an earlier time in their life. Amen. You understand? But I need to release that from my life so I could be free to move on 
and have a full, vibrant life. So I need to live a life of forgiveness. I pray every day. I says, Father, I set my will to forgive today. So if I get some knucklehead that tells me something stupid, it bothers me. I get upset at the moment. But after a while I go, I release that person. I'm not going to hold that. Because if I keep it, I get that bitterness, then I could see that guy the next 30, 40, 50 years, and I'll still be angry at him. And it might hinder my relationships with other people. So I walk in forgiveness on purpose. Say to neighbor, walk by forgiveness, or rather, walk in forgiveness on purpose. Study the lives of faith champions like Joseph, Esther, David. Apply the principles they, they employed. I mean, Joseph, his brothers sold him into slavery. How bad is that? And then to top it off, God prospers him, and he has to now minister to his brothers. How in the world is he going to minister to his brothers if he had unforgiveness in his heart? God might raise you up to actually minister to those who had offended you in times past. I remember when I was a teenager, I was raised up in 108th Street, Columbus, Manhattan Avenue, 8th Avenue. I was raised in Harlem. And I remember, oh, let me tell you, in the 60s and 70s, very divided, very divided. So there were several gangs. And um, since I was, you know, light-skinned, um, they used to call me the white boy. And so what happens is I used to get beat up because I was white. Meanwhile, one day my f- friend Stanley, who was black, uh, a, a Latino gang, comes to him and bats him right in the face, just with a bat. I'm talking about, you know, a Louisville slugger, bam, right in his face. And then they go to hit me, and one guy looks at me and goes, Toripano. Translator, are you Hispanic? I said, si, si, yo soy pano. Si. So they went, okay, okay, okay. And on another occasion, they took me and they whomped me. I mean, beat me and kicked me on the floor. I was just so angry what they did to my friend Stanley, what they did to me. I mean, I just uh, filled with hatred as a kid. And then I get saved at age 15. So I'm in church now, and they're talking about forgiveness. But every time I would pass by that place, I'd go, praise God, hallelujah. Oh, when I get them guys, I'm going to break a bottle and break it on top of their head. Hallelujah, glory to God. But once I pass, I got already. But I, I didn't realize, I didn't know this. When I'm teaching you, I didn't know it at the time. I had bitterness. I had resentment. And one day as I'm passing by, I'm maturing in my faith, and I'm growing up. And guess what? They planted the church I belonged to right in the area where I got beat up. We moved to that place, and meanwhile, I worship, hallelujah, bat in the face, hallelujah, bat in the face, you know. So, I mean, I, I, was, I was messed up. But, I mean, real, for real, I was, I was really angry at them and for years. And every once in a while, I would see him. I was like, waiting to grow up real big and strong. I'm going to take care of them. Meanwhile, I was already in church, you know. One day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very tenderly in my heart. He said, son, how can I work through you? If you are bitter like that, if you hate them, I cannot work with you. I will have to remain in standby until you're ready, until you forgive them. So I looked up to heaven, and I, I, all my arguments left me. All my, my bitterness left the moment. I said, Lord, this is hard, but I forgive them. I set my will to forgive. And if I see them, I will minister to them. Would you know, that opened up some great doors to be able to minister to people that had hurt me in times past. People saw me years later. One of the guys that, that was just really nasty ended up in prison. I mean, just I'm carrying guns, shooting them all over the place. I mean, I come from a bad neighborhood. Tough, tough, tough area. And this guy was bad. I'm, ta- I'm talking about nasty, murderous bad. 
ended up in prison. I don't know how he's able to be set free. And today, he's an apostle in this city. And he found Jesus, or Jesus found him, in prison. His name is, for those of you, you know, Heavenly Christian Center in the West Side, his name is Sal Sabino. He's a good friend of mine. He's a very influential man in the kingdom of God. He travels the world. He goes to his home country, Santo Domingo, does massive crusades. Man, the man's a wonderful man of God. And today, we joke about that. He says, yeah, I remember you, Victor. I remember you in the old days. You, you have to run away. Like, We're going to kill you, man. We're going to kill you. <laughs> and I go, amen, amen, brother. Glory to God. Please, on my side. Woo, we. Yeah. But yeah, he's my good friend. And, and today I rejoice, but it was this revelation that allowed me to be able to walk hand in hand with him. Amen. Now, sometimes we'll have special services together. We have a wonderful time. Hallelujah. So study faith life of champions in the, in the kingdom of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with forgiveness and love for those that hurt you. Hallelujah. Well, I can't do it. No, you can't. But the Spirit of God in you can. And then bathe yourself in worship. And thanksgiving every day and praise every day because it'll refocus you on the love of God and of forgiveness. And I guess in, in, in closing, I want to share that in times past, point to yourself. Every, I want everybody pointing to yourself. Point, come on. You pointing? Yes. Say to yourself, I have missed opportunities in the past. <laughs> yes, you have. Because you had the wrong mindset or you were ignorant of some principle in the kingdom of God, but I don't want that to happen to you anymore because opportunities are on their way. Amen. See, the Bible says where great sin abounds, great grace abounds the more. Amen. See, so I'm not going to focus on the great sin. I'm going to focus on the great grace abounding the more for me, for my family, for my church family. God's going to give me opportunities to minister to people who are down and out, who are bitter. Hello, bitter. When you talk to them, they're not going to be sweet to you. Yet, those are the people that God's calling you to. Because when they get sweet, they're going to be awesome in the hands of God. When they get sweet, they're going to restore their families. They're going to restore their purposes and destinies. And they're going to come back to you and say, thank God for you, for what you did, for your patience, for your love. Opportunities are gifts from God. But they must be discerned because they might be hard to identify if you're in the wrong mindset or attitude. We miss opportunities because we're prideful. I don't need any help. We're arrogant. I can do it all by myself. I don't need your help. No, we need each other's help. My answer is contained in you. My provision many times is contained in you. The wisdom I need sometimes, God won't give it to me. He'll give it to you, and then he'll make me go to you and ask you for the wisdom. Especially when I'm in a bad attitude. So you can teach me some humility. I'm not preaching to the right church. I think I need to preach this down the block because none of you are saying amen. Sometimes your answer is going to come from your neighbor. And you need to be humble and submissive enough to say, neighbor, I need your help. I need us to pray together. I have an issue. Maybe you can help me with it. Hallelujah. We miss opportunities because we don't want to admit we need help. We miss opportunities because we're ignorant or immature sometimes. We love God, we talk in tongues, but we're immature. So just mature. How do you mature? Bathe in the Word every day. Grow up little by little. I wasn't this size all my life. 
I didn't have this mustache and this goatee all my life. Yeah, I really, it's true. Some people think I was born with this. No. I actually didn't have this at age 11. But that's what happens. You grow from grace to grace. You grow when you're consistently, consistency rather, coming to church, coming to small groups, worshiping God every day. Hallelujah. We miss opportunities many times in crisis. How many of you know the greatest times of promotion come at the greatest times of crisis? So when we're thankful in crisis, God will show you the resources and the pearls and the jewels that are contained in that crisis. The guys that that get paid the most money are the guys that know, guys and gals, that know how to navigate in crisis. Let's say you have an overflow in your apartment. Your sink overflows. Water's all over the floor. Who do you call? Why? Why don't you call the doctor? Why? Why don't you call your neighbor? Huh? Because right now you need a guy that has a Roto-Rooter. See, I don't care how nice you are, how pretty you are, I need Roto-Rooter. I don't, I don't care if you know how to preach for an hour with, with verses and texts from, from your mind. I don't care if you have a Mercedes. doesn't make a difference. I need me Roto-Rooter. Right? So here's what happens. I'm in crisis. This guy comes in now, takes Roto-Rooter, puts it right through the pipes, takes care of my problem. Comes with a wet vac, takes out all the water, and he goes, okay? Yeah, thank you. I said, good. Give me a thousand dollars. Well, yeah, that's what it costs. Some of the people in Staten Island are paying fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars to suck out the water from their basement. These are actual denominational, you know, denominations. It's expensive. But the point I'm making is that times of crisis produces times of opportunity. And the greater crisis you can solve, the more money you'll make. The more influential you'll become, the more important you'll become. What if you're stuck in an island? You need to get out of that island. There's no water, no food, but it's an island. And the the nearest land is 50 miles away. Who's important to you right now? How much would you be willing to pay for a boat? Or, or, or even better, a helicopter. Because you can't land the plane there. It has to be a boat or a helicopter. Right? Now, how do you become that person with the boat? I don't care. I just want to get home. You're preaching too long. <laughs> You're talking too much, Pastor. Think about it. God is actually sending you to be the one with the boat. God is sending you to be the one with the helicopter. Times of crisis calls you out. And God is calling us out because there's a great crisis out there. Hallelujah. So thankfulness. I am thankful for you, for your boat. I'm thankful for the resource that you are. I'm thankful that God has anointed and gifted you. But I'm also thankful 
for the knucklehead that's giving me a hard time right now at work because there's a potential in that person too. So when we're in the right mindset, we're in, when we're in the right attitude, and that's a thankful attitude, we'll say, Lord, I thank you because he's a crisis, so now there's opportunities. So that means that you're sending me to do something. Hallelujah. Praise God. Will you be somebody's lifeboat? Will you be somebody's answer? See, that's an answer that you can only make yourself between you and God. So in conclusion, Philippians 4, 7, it says, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for anything. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's good to give thanks. But it's good to give thanks. Why? Because it gives you clear sight. Tell your neighbor, you're important. You're an amazing vessel. Hallelujah. And just say this out loud. This is an amazing community. Because we are. It's not that we're big and bad. It's that we are somebody's answer. God made it that way. God made us to be somebody's answer. We are the solution creators. Why? Because the wisdom of God flows through us. Hallelujah. We're very special. Because let me tell you, when that person stuck on that island who doesn't have any answers sees you show up with your boat, what do you think they're going to do? Are they going to go, you know, it's about time you get here. Look at me, I'm sunburned, I need water. I haven't taken a shower in two weeks. What took you so long, huh? right? No. They're going to grab you, they're going to hug you. Uh, you're going to say, okay, 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 awkward. Because, I mean, th- th- really, people that are grateful, they, they will show it. Amen. Well, get ready for that to happen. Because as the wisdom of God flows through you in the coming days. And we're coming into a day, this is ironic, people. We're coming into the season of love, of joy. We're coming into the season of happiness, of mirth. We're coming into the season, the Christmas season, the Kwanzaa season, the season where everybody's supposed to be happy. Yet I haven't seen more misery like this in a very long time. So we're going to have to be light and salt in the coming days. We're going to have to open up our homes like never before and share the love of God and be Christmas to them. What's Christmas? It's a celebration that the son was born, a child was given, but also a savior was introduced to mankind. So this is going to be a season where it's going to be harder for people to receive that information without the revelation and without the carrier to give it. You be the carriers. I'm proud of you. I'm thrilled that you have this revelation. Now I charge you. Go and be that salt. Go and be that light. Go and be that blessing to someone. Go and share the good news. Gospel is good news to a lost generation.